Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who was baptised but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. 
Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, Four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard from ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Good morning. Um, In a moment, an image will come up on the screen, hopefully, of a painting by Seeger Coda called Living Water. And I believe down the side aisles, there should be copies of this picture and up in the balcony to help us have a good look at it. And we will come back to it throughout this thought for the day, as I like to call it. But I am also aware that some of us do not have full vision, physical vision. So just to help us to enter into the journey we will now go on, I want to read a very short few lines, creative description. So for those who don't have sight of the image, feel free, close your eyes and enter into your imagination. A Samaritan woman of no particular birth, No particular status. Carries her water jug on, oh, that familiar daily journey to the well. It is hot, dry and dusty, a reminder of how she feels alone. She arrives at Jacob's well, stands at the edge of the wellhead, pauses for a moment to look deep within. The well with its grey, cold stone walls, six foot deep, deep and dark. She gazes in, preoccupied with her troubled life. Now it isn't long before she notices her reflection in the water staring back, but becomes aware of another, gentler face, a gentle face of a man. At first this startles, for this is not the place for a Samaritan woman to meet with a Jewish man. How come he's here? What does he want? How strange that he should sit and speak with her, asking something of her. She came alone, but now as the conversation grows, she is not alone, not alone in the desert of her relationships. For these events have been leading her to this place, this moment of encounter with him, the promised one, with Jesus, 
in person. This is a story about relationship. The journey from relational desert to living, thirst-quenching relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're not told, we're only invited to come in and walk alongside this Samaritan woman. We're not told if she was subject to a Leverite marriage custom, which would have meant that she would have had multiple partners as a widow, the, husband, the brother of the husband who's deceased, would uh, marry her. We're not told whether she's been subject to those customs. We're not told whether she had made differing moral choices around partnerships. What we are told is that Jesus states the truth of her circumstances and he chooses to encounter her and to be encountered by her. He chooses to be present with her and to reveal who he is to her. And I was really struck when I was preparing this about how much she mentions in that short phrase, you are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. Somehow as if her gender and her ethnicity separate her from God and from this man, Jesus, she sits with at this time. Now we know in the Jewish custom that Jacob's well is a place at which the men or patriarchs of Israel would meet prospective brides. And we know that Jacob's mother, Rebecca, and one of his wives, Rachel, who was a shepherdess, were met in this way. So I wonder how she was feeling. You know, a Jewish man sat here with me, aware of that custom. What does this mean? Who is this man? What is this about? And she also is so aware of her Samaritan status. We know from the history in Israel that after Solomon's death, Israel divides. And the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem say that the Samaritans are outside of God's mercy. They are somehow second-class citizens. And actually to use the same utensils of drinking cups and jugs would be to contaminate, would be unclean. And I'm really in this story with this woman that somehow, somewhere inside her, she has internalized this separation from God that somehow she is second-class. She is separate from that love. And you know what's so powerful in this story is how does Jesus respond? Does he sustain those customs? Does he keep her as a second class citizen? No, he reaches out. He reaches out and he shares his human need with her and he asks her for a drink. He reaches across those customs across those boundaries, across those prejudices, and reaches out to her and offers her living water, water, life for all eternity. This is the Jesus we meet at the wellhead. This is the same one, risen now, the one whose compassion crosses prejudices and customs and reaches in compassion deep, into our thirsting souls. So might we just come back to this picture again for a moment. 
and to that creative description. I wonder what it's like for us this morning to look deep into the well of our lives. With all the complexity, with the light and dark shadows, you might notice in the painting that there are lighter stones and darker grey stones. What is it like? How do we feel? Are we thirsty this morning for our God? You know, thinking about thirst, let's come back to that well. How symbolic the water and the well are in a dry and arid Palestine land. You can sort of imagine people arriving at it with that dust and dryness in their throat, having journeyed far, brought their cattle, brought their sheep. In fact, Rachel, who was the shepherdess, was bringing her sheep for water at the well. And here is Jesus meeting that thirst in our Samaritan woman. I wonder what does it feel like this morning for us? Are we thirsty? Do we leave the story there? Where it is a very touching and beautiful picture of relationship, encounter that changes the life of her forever. Well, I did read, ask for those extra verses for a reason. Because I think there is more that God wants to share with us this morning. Isn't it interesting in some translations how she leaves her water jug behind? This is the essential daily need that she has of thirst-quenching water. She leaves it behind to go and tell the rest of her community about the encounter she has just had. Such is her encounter of Jesus Christ. She is chosen by him to be the first Samaritan apostle to that Samaritan community. And it's through her witness that others suddenly start to become interested. The Samaritan men and women become interested in what has happened to her, how she's now looking, what's changed in her, start to believe that. And I think it's really interesting, the contrast of the disciples they come along and you get the sense they're sort of not sure about what's happening here as well. You know, Jesus is crossing customs that they would have been aware of. They're not quite sure of what is happening. And they focus on a physical need. Yes, that's very pastoral, very caring. You know, Rabbi, eat something. There's nothing wrong with that. But it struck me the contrast between them and the Samaritan woman who is rushing, leaving her water jug behind to get to the community to share about this witness of her encounter with Jesus Christ. Now if we look back at this image, in the water you might not see this quite so clearly. There's a reflection of her face and a reflection of Jesus. And this spoke powerfully to me because I thought this is about relationship. Our relationship with Jesus invites us to become witnesses for him. It invites us to be his reflection in the world. So what I was catching was that actually the experience of healing leads to mission. It isn't that we're just in a cozy place of resting in the God forever. It is that it leads us to be released and equipped in witnessing to the wonderful, marvellous, amazing, eternal life-giving gospel. 
and I felt challenged. Do I identify more with the disciples, resting more in my customs, thinking we don't quite do it that way? Or how much am I willing to let God challenge my prejudices, cross boundaries, send me to people I don't expect to want to listen to God or be healed by God? We've just heard from Iona of her willingness to stand in that place of crossing boundaries. What effect does that have on us this morning? Because for me, I can't stand still. It is energizing me to to share the story of Jesus Christ in my life. When you look at this painting as we finish now, I want to invite you to think about that question again. What does it feel like to look deep into the well of my life? Am I thirsting for God? And how might I capture what it means to witness to that story of Jesus Christ in my life? How might it cause me to cross boundaries? to question prejudices within me and to go to new places. I'm with you in it. I haven't solved it for myself. We're in this together. Might we just take a moment to be quiet and pray. For those of you that feel that thirst, I encourage and invite you to come forward for the prayer of anointing. For those of you who long for healing in relationships, I invite and encourage you to come forward for the prayer of anointing. For those of you who sense your witness has been dulled, your passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ is tired, I invite you to come for the prayer of anointing. And for any sitting there now who want to come forward, come. Come and meet the Saviour who will quench your thirst for eternity. Come and meet the Saviour who longs to heal you, longs to love you. And come and meet the Saviour who longs to equip you to be his loving, powerful witnesses in a world so hungry. Look. Open your eyes. See the harvest fields are ripe. There are many calling to me in the desert. Hear them. Go to them. Witness to my gospel. In the name of God, Jesus and Holy Spirit. Amen.